Invest in yourself today with our Insider Pro product, which gives you the career path to reach the next step in your cybersecurity journey. Join today on cyber.it using the discount code podcast. The cloud is a popular topic across cybersecurity and IT teams, but many companies still struggle with understanding the full power, implication, and impact that moving to a multi-cloud or hybrid cloud environment can have. As a pioneer in the cloud governance space, CloudTamer.io co-founders Brian Price and Joseph Spurrier joined the Cyberry podcast to dive into best practices and common pitfalls of moving to a cloud provider or switching cloud vendors. Hey, welcome back to another episode of CyberAge Weekly Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Ruin, VP of Engineering and CISO here at CyberAge. And today we're joined by Brian and Joe from CloudTamer.io, as well as Jonathan Myers, Head of Infrastructure here at CyberAge. Uh, why don't we go ahead with introductions, uh, starting with our guests. Uh, Brian, why don't you go first? Hey, thanks, Mike. Uh, Brian Price, I'm CEO and co-founder of CloudTamer.io, and really appreciate you having us on. Joe? Yeah, thanks, Mike. Uh, Joe Spurrier, CTO and co-founder of CloudTamer. Jonathan? Hey, Jonathan Myers back again. I'm the uh, head of infrastructure and all things cloud and DevOps at Cyberry. Yeah, so I think a, a great place to start would be, can you guys maybe tell us a little background on CloudTamer.io? What do you guys do? Um, I think that's a great place to always start these. Mike, it's a you know good good starting point I think. So we uh, started CloudTamer.io as a product. Uh, really, I guess it was almost uh, four years ago. Um, really, our core uh, focus is around cloud governance, and what that really means for customers is helping to have the controls in place to manage cost, uh, control security and compliance, and then ultimately automate uh, organizations' cloud environments. And so. We started with this concept and this idea um, about, again, four years ago. We were working with a customer. They really wanted to move and accelerate all their customers to the cloud, um, 10,000 developers. And they wanted to give this environment where self-service is paramount. And, you know, the traditional, you know, ask and wait three weeks and, and receive something that you didn't ask for was just a thing of the past. And so we started working with this customer. We thought about, well, how do big organizations do this? Um, we actually were and still are very big partners with Amazon Web Services, AWS. Uh, they kind of came to us with some blueprints of how internally other customers have done this. And then, you know, fast forward, um, you know, a, a, few, a few years later, we, we, we kind of took that and just kind of built on top of it. And now, you know, we're working with a ton of organizations around this, this, all this kind of key problem around cloud governance. Joe, anything I might have missed? No, no, I think you did a uh, nice job summing it up there, Brian. I want to know what organization you were you were talking about with ten thousand developers that only took three weeks to provision hardware that was wrong because my experience is usually it's like three months and then they come back to you and say oh you filled out the form wrong and then three months again. <laughs> no, well, and, and that's the reality um, that organization again in twenty twenty we find organizations are still facing that same exact problem. Yeah, they they had a you know a pretty small team uh, to start with there again their goal was to get to ten thousand users um, so they had a little bit more agility there but the, the problem that we find is that especially as organizations scale you really hit 
that roadblock, right? Where it just begins to take longer and longer and longer. If you don't attack the people problem or you keep wanting to throw more and more people to help to improve this without tackling automation, it just really becomes very difficult for organizations to, to really scale and keep up with that demand. And then it's frustrating, right? And, and that's one of the biggest things that we try to provide, you know, our customers a view of what is the good user experience of the cloud, right? And, and, that, and that experience in the enterprise doesn't have to be all that different than going at home, swiping a credit card and getting an AWS account or an Azure subscription. Um, it can actually be better because you can bundle in all of these different enterprise controls, but in a way that's not you're waiting for three weeks, three months, or, or even longer. Um, it can be a way that really helps you uh, move quicker and get your systems deployed up in a cloud environment. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, it's interesting, right? I mean, the cloud is supposed to be something that, you know, makes it so easy for, um, you know, companies and, and product teams, you know, to build things, yet it's so difficult to get your teams actually in there and working, um, you know, efficiently because there's just, there's so many different things that you have to take into consideration. I mean, like the cost, you know, what, what, you know, security requirements you have set up on those environments. Um, so we really wanted to take this, this, this idea of, you know, the cloud and how difficult it is to, um, you know, really get, um, really get up and going um, and, and just make that process a lot easier. Yeah, I mean, I think when I think about it, there's a lot of, um, it can be really easy to make it easy, um, but then you end up with things like developers uh, just running uh, entire, you know, VPCs not well secured or uh, maybe running up your AWS bill or any number of other things. So I think that's also, it's the that balance of how do we make it as easy as possible for folks, but still sort of constrained enough that we feel comfortable giving that over. Um, I'm curious, like, yeah, I mean, I, how do you guys handle that? Like, what's the sort of, how do you come into an organization and help them understand that? Yeah, yeah. I, I, think, I think the knowledge gap, um, you know, is, is one of the, the things that you have to, you know, keep in mind because uh, there's so many different things that you have to learn. And, um, you know, we wanted Cloud Tamer to be a way uh, for customers, um, you know, to manage their cloud presence really easily. Um, so when we actually come in and some of our onboarding engagements that we do with customers, right, a lot of it is, you know, trying to get them up to speed on just best practices when working with the cloud, right? So we actually come in and we'll sit down and say, all right, how do you have things structured uh, currently, right? What state are you trying to get to? And then we can show, all right, so here's what our product can do, right? Here's what we can help you guys with. And here's how we can make that process better because, you know, our customers, they really range from um, you know customers that are just you know getting their feet wet to customers who have been in the cloud, and it's it's really interesting to see all the different um, use cases and things um, that people have set up inside the cloud. Um, so it, it, it's really insightful when we get to sit down with you know customers and see those things. Yeah, and Joe, if I could add there, you know, I think what we see the that gambit, like you said, from that different level of maturity. But the, the really interesting thing is when we start working with customers that think they have everything secured and locked down, and really what they've done is, you know, almost create this environment where it, it is the wild, wild west. So we were working with the organization a few years ago, um, and, you know, we started talking to them about, you know, okay, well, how do you actually enforce people not using services that are not approved by your organization in the cloud? So... Uh, maybe it's regions as well as services or just, you know, buying like reserved instances that, you know, have a, a multi-year commit and things like that. 
They're like, oh, we've got it all covered. We've got that problem. It's all solved. It's like, okay, great. Um, how are you guys doing it? Well, we have a confluence page. And on that confluence page, we make people go and read and acknowledge before we gave them that first cloud account that they adhere to that. Okay. And how do you guys check to make sure they've done that? Oh, well, we, we, we don't. I mean, it's just part of our policy. And like, so, you know, there, there's these real costs and there's these real risks that a lot of organizations face in, in, in this, that if they, if they aren't thinking about automation and the, the great thing about using the cloud is everything's an API. So it's possible, it's completely possible, but it's just so complex for most organizations to want to take that on. Um, and, and that's really where we've just tried to, to help organizations. Again, Joe mentioned, we know we go through like an onboarding process where we kind of peel back every layer of the onion about how do you today work in the cloud? What's your, what's your organizational structure look like? Who approves what in your organization today? What do you want that to look like? How are budgets defined? How is, you know, all of those, all of those elements are super important because what that does is that allows us to kind of figure out how we configure our platform how we configure other tools in their enterprise because, you know, in today's world, you know, you're not just investing in one tool for everything in your enterprise, your IT enterprise. You have to invest in multiple tools and you need to make sure that they all work together to give that end user experience to be the, the most paramount. I mean, I think the other challenge is just the, the total um, shift. I hate the phrase paradigm shift, but um, I really do. Um, but the shift of what you typically had is IT and infrastructure and hardware and servers. And as you shift to the cloud and infrastructure as code and, and all the rest of it, which you can do without moving to the cloud, like DevSecOps can be applied to your regular data center. You can virtualize everything. Da, da, da. But if you're going cloud, you kind of have to take on that mentality. There's, you, can't, you can't approach it the way you've approached it in the past. And I imagine that's one of the other places I've seen, well, not just imagine, I've seen other places where that's really the struggle is sort of wrapping their head around that change of this isn't actual hardware. It's all virtualized. It's configurable. It's all API driven. It can all be automated. Um, and I imagine, I mean, how much time are you guys spending with your customers, you know, sort of getting them to, to sort of understand that aspect of it? Or are they frequently already bought in or runs the gambit? Yeah, yeah. We, you know, we try and automate as much as we can, you know, inside um, in our inside our company. Um, and you know, we really come from this this world of DevOps, where and and you're right, right? Things are changing. Right? We're not in the data center, you know, every day racking servers, running cable. You know, a lot of us remember doing that stuff. Um, and now, you know, you've got these cloud providers where you can basically get logs on everything that, that every, you know, server, every instance, everything that somebody touches or looks at, you know, you can get those logs and they have basically APIs to tie into anything that you want. Um, you know, when you think about traditional data center, um, you know, someone could potentially unplug a server and then run off with it. Whereas in the cloud, right, you can't unplug a server because it's not available anymore. Um, so you, you don't get that, that insight. Um, but yeah, we like to go into you know customer environments and um, look at how they're doing uh, automation today. Some of the uh, companies are very much you know evolved when it comes to CI/CD pipelines tying into these APIs, um, and it's you know just trying to get um, some of that the mentality shifted over to you know the more that you automate, automate, excuse me. Um, 
you know, to get it over, uh, the more that you automate, the easier it is for your customers um, to ensure that things are set up properly. It allows you to build in those things like security um, and, you know, cost management upfront. And it also provides, you know, those frameworks um, for your customers so that um, they can just start working right out of the gate. And, and to add that, you know, Joe, you said something there, you know, that's pretty poignant. You know, you, you can't certainly go into an AWS data center and walk off with the server with your, with your, your data. But what happens all the time is organizations don't deprovision their users. So they walk out the door with access keys that maybe are still open. And, and it's pretty much the same thing, um, the same risk anyway. It's just, it's just done in a different way. Um, so tying you know, as much into infrastructure as coach, tying and helping organizations along their maturity. I mean, we still have a number of customers that are lifting and shifting you know, apps to the cloud. And, 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 and that's just, I think, the, the reality. Uh, that, that, that that just exists in 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 today in 2020, but but what we do find is there's more and more, especially in light of things like COVID, that's kind of helping to push that you know buzzword digital transformation for a lot of organizations uh, to help them push forward to say you know what there's a better way of doing this right we we can start to adopt newer technologies like you know containers for applications they're not you know spending. The, the full resources of, of running a web app, you know, in the cloud on dedicated tenancy or something like that, you know, they're, they're able to move forward uh, in, in a more adaptive way. And, you know, the thing about, you know, our platform that we've tried to make very clear is, you know, we're not a cloud broker. If, if um, you know, people are familiar with that technology that sits between the user and the cloud service provider, where you have to do everything through our platform in order to use the actual cloud, we actually give complete and utter transparent access into AWS or into Azure, um, or coming soon, it's going to be into GCP. And, and, and what that does is it gives such a great degree of native experience in the cloud, as well as when these new services come out, they're available for people to use. And so going back to that whole question around, you know, the configuration and, you know, how much is this really helping them transform, what we find is that by giving that native experience, someone can go and attend, you know, a three-week online event like AWS reInvent is going to be this year. They can learn something, they can apply it, and they can use it. And they're just getting the added benefit of simple ease of access to get into their cloud account by using our platform. And then if they want to use other tools and, um, you know, maybe they're using Terraform, maybe they're using, you know, other technologies to help build that infrastructure's code out, they can do that. And we're not blocking the ability for them to be able to take advantage of that, that technology. Yeah, and I think it's it's another like another interesting problem I think I've seen is a lot of these big companies when they're going to transform into move to the cloud and all that kind of stuff, is they still bring their like traditional like networking mindset to the cloud. And it's it's just like a recipe for disaster, right? Like you're like, oh, well, there's a firewall, like we're good, you know, and you don't understand how like subnets are working like virtually um, and that whole like VPC and crazy stuff. And then also add on top of that, like how so different it is from cloud provider to cloud provider, right? Like a VPC at AWS is night and day different from a VPC in Google and how they work and how you wire them up. Like you just get caught in so many different like traps if you're not like actively thinking about it. And I think it's hard at like large enterprise scale is like, how do I ensure that like, you know, because I'm sure like some of the enterprises that are now 
have been in the cloud for a couple of years are now trying to have access to other clouds because certain customers have certain requirements about who they who and who they will not do business with. Um, and so I think trying to like keep those kind of standards flat across the board, applying to like multi-cloud is becoming very, very important because it's not like, oh, did you check the security groups, right? Because security groups don't exist in Google. And so it's very difficult to kind of like have that baseline unless there's some layer of like abstraction that's saying like, oh, are your like firewall slash security group slash ACL rules uh, sane across the board and kind of conforming and things like that. So um, that's where I kind of see the issues um, where like a platform like y'all's would like really kind of help keep that. Um, and then I also think cloud services have not done a good job traditionally in the past. I think their user experience um, when you do region switching is very, very confusing to somebody that's never used AWS before because somebody could launch an instance in like Hong Kong or Singapore or Asia and people, if they never log into those regions, will never see that instance unless they have access to the billing console. But not many people get full access to the billing console. And so it's, it's very difficult for um, like people to... Unless they're like doing audits and things like that. And I, I think that was kind of one of the big issues early on, um, especially at my previous company, there was just instances running in another region, you know, because I was like, oh, well, we just use US East 1, let's say. And, you know, like, who would have thought there was just instances running for three years in US East 2, unless, you know, you were just like, oh, I'm bored. Let me go spelunking through all these different AWS accounts. And so I think that's, that's kind of like those easy, low-hanging fruit things that I think a lot of people get caught up on. Yeah, I, I, I think um, that's spot on. It's, it's exactly... You know, kind of what we, you know, we, we see John, you know, and, and all, all of our customers. I mean, the, the, the challenge I think that a lot of organizations have is, you know, when, when you know, cloud started, right, it was a technology thing, right? It was, it was a group of, of, you know, really smart people in an organization that say, you know what, this is a new platform, we're going to start dabbling in it, right? And now it's become the default enterprise technology platform to use, right? You know, people aren't, for the most part, our customers aren't saying, I'm going to go sign a new five-year data center somewhere else, right? They're, they're, they're thinking about, you know, okay, I'm going to use AWS or I'm going to use Azure, or I'm going to use both, or I'm, you know, they're, 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 they're kind of going in that, in that mindset. But, you know, it, it becomes very, very challenging, I think, um, on, on, just, on just a couple of regards. One of which you're, you're kind of talking about the, the whole vendor lock-in or, you know, just, just cloud vendor, um, you know, just, just concern. You know, the reality is you... you if you build an application using native services in AWS, if you're sticking to like basic storage networking compute, sure, they can probably lift over to Azure and without maybe too much, you know, reconfiguration. Um, on the other hand, now, if you start using Lambda and you start using other managed services inside of AWS and you say, okay, well, now I want to go ahead and shift all of this over to GCP just because they've got this brand new analytic. Well, that becomes a completely different animal, right? There, there are vendor lock. There's, there's an element of vendor lock-in in, in the cloud world that, that that is just inherent to the services that each cloud provider offers and the differences between those services. And you know what we try to do is say, you know what? Well, regardless of if you're an AWS shop today and you're an Azure shop tomorrow or whatever that is, here's access to all your environments, right? You know, you can go in there. Whether you've got you know experience, you know, building you know, applications in, in, in all those platforms today or not, you know, again, we, we give you access. And then to go back to your point around, you know, just having visibility into what's being built and what services are really running, 
I mean, th- that's a common problem we see as well. I mean, the finance team gets a bill at the end of the month, and it's usually the AWS bill that comes, you know, that, that, that's digitally delivered, but it doesn't break things down to, okay, well, well, exactly what is it that's actually running there? Unless there is a, usually in most cases, a spike in spending, people don't look deeper. They just say, okay, I'm just going to write the check and just pay the bill, and, and, and that's it. Um, Again, it doesn't work at scale because, you know, if you think about all the organizations that really have to think about adapting to, you know, developers and, you know, testers and, and, and everybody kind of moving into the cloud, you, you have to have more transparency, more visibility. And even I would, I would argue about the user experience aspect of the cloud native, um, you know, consoles and, and uh, experiences, it, 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 for a non-technical person, it's hard for a finance person to go and navigate to figure out, okay, well, where do I pull my my, my bill in the AWS console or the Azure console? It, it, it's really difficult, I think, to understand what that really means. So, you know, what we've tried to do is bubble all of that up to a context of your organization. And, you know, that usually starts to make, make sense, right? So, so you've got three departments and three then divisions under that department. You can see at each of those levels, Here's how much that group is spending. And then you want to dive a little deeper, you can. And you can kind of do some of that through tagging and through like, um, you know, building groups. But it, it's pain. It's a pain to do that. And organizations struggle with then saying, well, how, how did this application cost this much money? Um, you know, versus just being able to get that, that full holistic visibility. Yeah, no, the, that's interesting. You bring up the whole tagging and the rest of it. I went to AWS reInvent pretty early on and went to the... Um, uh, went on like the CFO uh, track that they had at the time because I wanted to try and figure out how to get more information to our CFO about how things were being built and what we need to do. And I was like, oh, wow, look, now I have a n- whole new product roadmap essentially for my engineering team to execute against in order for us to get the visibility that we're going to need. We're going to need to like, it really required a lot of software engineering. And I was like, there's no way I'm going to get these priorities or these things prioritized against a product roadmap that's going to be delivering on revenue as opposed to just delivering on further insight into and, and auditing and ability for our CFO to have a better feel for what was going on in, in our environments. Um, and there was a lot bigger deal. Um, it was the same place that Jonathan was. We had multiple, ins- you know, we had things running in lots of regions, lots of accounts. Um, we didn't have a multi-tenant architecture um, for various reasons. And so, yeah, getting a handle on what's, what's costing what, who's paying for what, but yeah, it was it was a daunting uh, thing to try and tackle uh, with tagging and, and all the things that they recommend doing. It's almost maybe if we'd done it right from day one and we knew that's what we needed to do, maybe it wouldn't have been so bad. But the point where we started becoming yeah. a real issue, it was almost impossible. Um, yeah, because none of those none of those tools existed, right? Like we're talking 2015, so like Ansible doing infrastructure was kind of there. Right. Terraform wasn't. I don't think really there yet. And so like, I think we were still when I when I joined, everybody was still manually launching instances, manually configuring servers and things like that. And I don't think it was very reasonable at all. And then I think the decision we came up with was probably the easiest. We just moved everybody to a separate account. And then we were just like, cool, this account costs you this much a month. That's how much you bill the customer. And it was very like, you know, probably not the best, most efficient use of resources. But I guess that's now how they approve it since they they made organizations a thing in the last couple of years, which kind of eased that use. Um, but before that, it was a nightmare. Yeah, so, um, yeah. Well, you know, that that's really what we saw too. You know, about that 
20, maybe 2017, 2018 timeframe is really when AWS started to shift their, their guidance to every organization, right? It was use a multi-account strategy because the account does become the perfect security and financial blast radius for a workload, right? If you have multi-tenancy inside of a single account, you could have a workload, um, you know, completely, you know, use up all the remaining resources and hit service limit caps, right? Or you could have, um, you know, certainly some sort of, of, of breach in that one uh, one application that could proliferate through or, you know, the worst scenario, again, going back to the cost is not every resource in an AWS account you can tag, right? You can't tag egress cost. And we have, we have one of our customers actually as the, I would say the primary concern and one of the most uh, or largest parts of their, their bill is actually an egress cost, right? So when they're thinking about, um, you know, what's costing what, you know, if they don't, they don't kind of adopt that multi-account model, it, it's impossible to be able to unpeel all of that, right? To figure out exactly, well, what, what, what EC2 instances, what, what are actually contributing out um, to that to that cost? So, you know, it, it is definitely um, an, an area where it's, it's constantly evolved. And I mean, we're seeing Microsoft kind of follow suit with this multi-subscription kind of pattern that they're doing. And Google, um, you know, also has this concept of, of multi-project as well. And, and that's something that is really for organizations that they haven't started today to think about it. You, you kind of have to take that. I mean, some of our customers go the full nines with that, right? Where it's a single application and they have five different AWS accounts, one for dev, one for integration, one for product, you know, you know, so on and so forth. And, and that's a really nice way of kind of isolating all of those workloads to a finite level of detail and giving a lot more assurance that, that that is protected. Now you have to do some work when you have all those accounts in your organization to manage them though. And that's the other, that's the downside of that approach. And, and that's why, you know, really, you, you know, John, you mentioned AWS organizations. I think it's come a long way in a few years, um, but there's still gaps there. And, and again, especially in light of customers that are looking for a multi-cloud environment where they are using AWS and they're using Azure, maybe they're using AWS commercial and AWS GovCloud, um, you know, you need to have something that bridges all of those. And, and today, you know, the, the cloud native tools just, you know, unfortunately find, we find anyway, a lot of our customers just have, have some pretty big gaps that they just can't fill. Yeah, we, uh, we recently moved to Google and I, I, I think they are kind of leading on this multi-project type situation only because of this notion of shared VPCs. So I can launch like data science can launch their own instances in their own project in the VPC that is owned by like production or staging or whatever. And so it, it further kind of like pulls them out without having, because traditionally, like if you have like data science and stuff like that, um, you need a way to kind of have them have access to certain data. And it's like, well, do I build a pipeline between accounts or do I consider that production stuff? And then it's, it starts to get fuzzy when it's like you're running machine learning and other algorithms against production data sets. Um, how do I also keep that separate and tag and stuff like that? And so um, I've been kind of impressed with Google's like shared VPC for that kind of thing um, because then it allows me to lock down a lot more things and I don't have to give somebody else access to a production AWS account if they can do everything in their project and I just allow them access to the network. Yeah. Yeah, I know AWS, they did something similarly where you can go into one account and you can create VPCs there and then share those out to different accounts. Um, and it's, it's great because you can see how, you know, the, the networking engineers, you know, are wrapping their heads around, right, how do we make this easier, right? How do we make it easier for us, easier for our customers so that everyone can focus on what those problems are 
And it's it's neat to see, you know, Brian, you were talking about organizations, how, um, you know, that came out in the last couple of years. And, you know, even, you know, the, the cloud providers themselves are um, sort of changing their stances on best practices because they're coming up with new ones all the time. Um, so it's, it's really fun to be in an industry where you get to be a part of this change and you get to watch the change and see all the innovations. Um, so it, it, it's going to continue being, uh, you know, pretty interesting over the next couple of years to see where we end up. You know, the, the big topics right now, um, you know, since we do have all these different cloud providers that are, you know, have very mature platforms, right? How can we run applications across all of those, right? Which tools can we use that we can leverage in each place and then pull the advantages from each one, right? If we want to run something cheaper, use this cloud provider. If I want to run this type of workload, you know, I could do it over here. So that's where you see, you know, containers have been great for us, you know, internally, because it allows you to build, you know, these little uh, pieces that you can reuse anywhere. And if you start thinking in that mindset, you're not managing the servers anymore, right? You can start like even serverless, right? You don't have to think about the server at all. You don't have to think about patching. You can just use um, those different, you know, services that these cloud providers uh, provide. Um, but the, the multi-cloud challenge is, Right. Like Brian was talking about, like, do you want to get locked into one of those? Right. So is there a way that you can build something generically enough so that you can deploy it wherever you need and not have to go through and re-architect everything? So trying to look at everything under this, this multi-cloud lens, uh, it's difficult. Um, but when you start finding those, those common patterns that you can bring together and put them into an interface, right? Um, and, you know, it, it's, it's funny uh, when you look at, uh, for instance, you know, the console, these cloud providers a couple of years ago and where they are today. Um, I mean, you can tell it was very much a, you know, engineering mindset earlier on. And they're trying to move over like you'll get a notification. Hey, we just came out with this new dashboard. Right. So then you'll look at the dashboard right? as an engineer. You have to relearn how it works. Um, but they're, they're trying to move everything. So it, it's, it's, you know, more user friendly. And, you know, that's what we try and do as well. Like, all the way down to, you know, our, our designs that we put out. Um, we have a phenomenal designer, um, Tara, um, and we just brought on a, another designer as well, um, Libby. But it's, it's great to see, you know, how you can take um, that, you know, user first mindset and help in, you know, such a technical, um, you know, complicated environment and make those things easier for them. Yeah, going back to that VPC thing, I remember VPC peering was an absolute like nightmare to combat because trying to keep track of like the routing tables when you're like conceptually trying to connect multi accounts. And then my biggest thing, just rabbit hole real quick, was how they didn't really have good documentation on exactly how it worked. So if you were trying to set up like a hub and spoke model with one AWS account with like your central VPN that goes to your site. So the site-to-site -site VPN goes into there and then you do all the routing to all the other sub-accounts. Couldn't do it. Like AWS like put in a restriction or something that they didn't document that you couldn't hop through one VPC to another. And I was like, well, how do you know this? Like you must be doing something to my packet to know that I'm trying to hop through. And I was like, this is how I want it done. Like this allows me to not have to spin up another basically next-gen firewall or site-to-site -site VPN in each account. Because your site-to-site -site VPN solution was lacking, and it was, those were fun, fun fights. So, well, so, so Jonathan, we, we actually were working with a customer that had, I guess, it was well, well over a hundred accounts, which I think at the time there was that hundred, you know, hundred VPC peering limit, or was right around that. And then, you know, the transitive routing you know, limitation you're just kind of talking about. I mean, they went out and literally built an entire overlay network inside of the cloud. 
um, you know, using basically, you know, uh, you know, firewalls, right, to, to, and, and routers, basically, to, 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 to kind of emulate what a traditional data center network would look like. It's like, that, that, that's not, you know, modern, right? You know, and it, it was extremely expensive, right? Because each one of these appliances, they were licensing. Um, and those appliances also didn't have APIs to configure them. So they were going through afterwards, they'd set up, you know, the environment, they'd have to go in and manually, you know, do some post configurations, hence adding to that, you know, three-week time frame that you were describing earlier to get a new account. Um, and, you know, it, it's amazing. You know, it's been a pretty short period of time, too. I mean, you know, I think, you know, Transit Gateway and AWS came out maybe about a, a couple of years ago. And then, you know, they started to do a lot more VPC, you know, sharing. And, and as you're saying, you know, GCP, I think, being a little bit more, I'll call them a late bloomer in a way to this. But, you know, they, they've, they've taken and learned a lot of good lessons, I think, from what's not worked um, at scale and some of these other providers. And, you know, now I, I think organizations do have a lot more options to, to make sure that they're not, you know, kind of in, building in anti-patterns out of necessity uh, versus just, you know, trying to adopt to a more cloud-driven um, development infrastructure model. Yeah, I yeah, definitely I agree that Google has had that advantage of, you know, they've seen what the other, what the other clouds have done. I mean, I think it's the typical, um, it's, it's better to be a uh, settler than a pioneer uh, type uh, approach. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think um, there's a few when it comes to like the cloud lock-in that we were talking about earlier. Um, I think it's interesting also when you talk about those managed services because as a from a soft, purely from a software development perspective, um, it lets me get up and going very quickly, and I get to use those services, and I get to you know there's some great things, but there is a point even within software development where you start to outgrow whatever it is that they're providing to you because it's so managed. It's, it's, there's some, there's going to be limitations. And I think that that's another approach to when you look at these things, it's okay, cool. We'll go with that managed service. We sort of know that at some point we're going to outgrow it at that point. And, and, you know, you can, you can make the decision whether or not you want to stick with um, that cloud provider. You can do all sorts of things. And I think that also plays an important role in, in deciding, um, when to move or what to do. I mean, I think there's there's so many different aspects to it. It's not just from the infrastructure side and from a vendor lock-in side. It's also like, how can we get this built as quickly as possible? What are the what are the trade-offs of that? And then recognizing, right, yeah, maybe there's a trade-off that we'll be locked into this vendor for some period of time. But on the plus side, we'll not have to deal with this. And we, we can focus on other parts that we do want to focus in on. Yeah, my, yeah. I, I think it's spot on, Mike. And I think the, the key thing there... Um, to me, organizations that do it right embrace the innovation potential, right? And, and that the fact that you know you've never let's just say as an app you know developer you've never had to write some sort of voice to text you know part of your application, but you could come in and just simply start using a managed service and it's API calls. It's not figuring out all these different inter interlocking you know pieces into your own application and and the you know, the, in some regards, not always, you know, the, the, the marketing maybe is a little bit better than reality in some, some cases. Right. But you, you can really get off the ground and run so much quicker with that than you'd ever be able to do in, in, in you know, a traditional, you know, non-cloud, you know, model. And th that's what we find, you know, organizations, if you're able to do that, not just with one group, right. But you're able to do that with all of your teams, right. The potential for innovation just goes right through the roof. Now, certainly over time, maybe there's some re-engineering that has to happen as these capabilities mature. 
But that that liftoff is so is so fast. It's 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 really encouraging for us when we get a chance to work with organizations that get it. Joe, I think you're going to say something before I kind of opt in. Yeah, um, and you know, for you know, engineering managers and you know, higher up, you know, on the the tech side, um, you know, there, there's so many things that go into these decisions, right? I mean, it's not just hey, we've got you know this Linux server, and you know, we need to build an application on it, right? There's so many different tools that they have at their disposal, um, and you're right. I mean, you need to figure out, um, like you were saying earlier, Mike, you need to figure out, um, you know. If you need to get this this uh, you know task or project done, right? Let's figure out how we can get it done quickly, and then we can think about you know are we going to move it over you know in the future? But if you build it in a way where um, you know you're not completely locked in, um, or if you build it in a you know agile way where you can set it up real quickly, um, then um, you know you have the ability to move those things around uh, later. Yeah, but I think. One of the issues with that is, especially if you build it correctly the first time, right? Like I think, especially like a lot of companies are understaffed on the infrastructure team. Maybe that's just me speaking, but you know, you build it, you build it well, right? And so you get it, you, you leave it, and then you don't touch it for a year. But like best practices have changed in like the last three months, six months, nine months, and you you've kind of just put it on the back burner. You're not even checking on it, and so it's. I think that's another problem that you kind of have to come back to is like, well, how do I make sure what I built 12 months ago that's just been crushing it and working and meeting all of our needs is still up to date? Because it's it's not the same as, you know, patching used to be, right? Like it's like, oh, we'll just apply the software patch to the operating system and, you know, you'll be fine. Here it's like they're always releasing new security controls and like changing how you should have it configured and like all of those types of things. And I think that's very difficult to kind of stay up to date with, with all of these different services that are managed across the board, especially if you're in multi-cloud, like you're typically, there's not like a one-to-one always. And so it's like, well, we're in this one little niche over here, one little niche over there. But now that they've started adding more security features, like how do I keep, keep up with that? And so I think that's another like huge problem with these kinds of services. Yeah. I'll counter that a little bit though, with the, the advantage, um, is also the like coming from someone who had to write all of those things. I've written text to speech. I've written automated speech recognition. I've written my own NoSQL data stores before that was even there was such a concept. I'm super old, is what I'm saying. And so, like, but the security around doing all of that versus going with some of these managed services, then you sort of you get a lot beyond just the service itself. You get all of that administration, all that security, all that other governance built around that service that does allow us to have a super lean infrastructure team. And, um, you know, I think, you know, I think Jonathan and I both know at the last place, maybe it was a little too lean um, uh, for all the things that we were running. Um, But what are you going to do? So, but I think that that's, again, one of the advantages when you choose to go that route with the managed service versus trying to do a lot on your own. When you do more on your own, you're taking on even greater responsibilities. And that's yet another consideration. It's just such a rich tapestry of all of these different things that go into that decision-making process and how long are we going to stay with this? And, you know, I think a lot about like Elastic, for example, um, as a service, Elastic Cloud, running it ourselves, running AWS's version of Elastic. There's all these different ways you can do it. And there's... It really comes down to 
what functionality do you need? How quickly do you need it? How much are you willing to pay? Um, there's there's a lot that goes into sort of understanding that, um, and it's it's definitely very tricky. Um, and then managing the costs and managing the governance and making sure that things don't just keep running forever after you know you know. Uh, I think it's very possible for you to make that decision. Like, hey, we're not going to use that managed service anymore. We're going to do some other thing. And then you forget like, oh, but we still are paying for the managed service. Um, so there's there's so much complexity, I think, in the cloud and, and the need for, for things to make, make it uh, more transparent and make it easier for non-engineers and, and the rest of the business to have better understandings of what's going on in there are critical. Yeah, you know, just to, to piggyback off that, um, Mike, I think one of the things that, that we see a lot of times we try to, you know, kind of apply this internally to our company too, is it's almost figuring out what business do you want to be in, right? Do you want to be in the business of, you know, figuring everything out soup and nuts or, you know, do you want to just start to build on top of that, right? You, you know, just like today, like if, if, you know, I was talking to anybody that's thinking of starting a startup, it's like, don't go and lease servers in a data center or, or, or run things, you know, out of your base. I mean, the cloud is so cheap when it comes to starting out with this. Like that, that's just a business you don't want to be in. You don't want to be having to kind of cloud your mind with some of with, with some of that leverage. You know, an AWS where you know if they have a vulnerability, they're patching their worldwide infrastructure in thirty seconds. Right? You're not having to figure out how you would do that in your own environment. Just like you know us, a little different example, but our website. You know, we have we have as Joe mentioned, we have two amazing designers. We have a team of full developers. We don't manage our public website. We, we, we outsource that because, you know, that's an area for us where we want to focus our people on building the best possible platform. Um, the same kind of, it's the same advice that um, I, I've at least seen in building software as well. It's like, okay, where is it? Where are those features that you want to truly focus and innovate on? And where are the things that you're like, you know what, that, that service can get you far enough that it's going to help you move along and increase the speed of innovation. No, absolutely. I mean, the the build versus buy decision here is so much. It's it's nice, right? It's it's generally speaking, it's buy. It's what's core to our business. We want to own that. Everything else, let's try and build on the backs of the other work that are being done or that is being done by companies who that is their business. Um, we're not experts in any number of things. Let's make sure that you know we take advantage of them where we can. Um, I think we might have lost Jonathan. Um, maybe not. Uh, so yeah. So, you know, how do you take advantage of those, um, those services and identifying what's core to your business and then making sure to stick to that. And you don't want to bite off more than you can chew. Um, like, right. Who wants, who, who wants to be in the database business anymore? Like, that's not like, let's just go ahead and find that solution. <laughs> no, you're, you're exactly right. I mean, and it wasn't that long ago, you know, so, so my background actually, I started out as a software developer and then kind of moved up into other different roles. But, you know, I remember, you know, having, you know, full teams of people, full teams of DBAs, right, to, to manage and tweak Oracle settings, right, day in, day out to make sure we're getting optimal performance. Well, now, I mean, there's a, there's a great degree of things that are just handled for us that, you know, it, it's, it's much easier to have to have to, to handle, you know, the problems that your team can focus on and be really good at. I mean, you know, Joe could probably speak to the, you know, our team and the way that we, we've kind of done that, but that's kind of the model that we've tried to do as well, where again, we're, we're going to focus on the areas, you know, certainly understanding every bit of the cloud, you know, every cloud provider we can and investing in hiring, 
and growing and training people to understand all the nuances and the newest services, sending people to conferences there, you know, but certain areas were like, you know what, that's something we're going to outsource and we're not going to have to, you know, we're we're not going to have to take that on ourselves. We're going to be, again, like you said, choose to quote, quote, buy it, right? Um, Just to to make ourselves to be a, a little bit better of an organization. Yeah. And I think that that plays very well into your product, for example. I mean, not to bring it back around, but to bring it back around, right? I mean, like, at Red Owl, the last place that Jonathan and I were at, right? We could have spent a lot of time building all that tagging, all that stuff to try and give that better insight. Is that really the business we want to be in? Is providing more insight into where the money is going? Or do we want to find a product that can help us do that? And even if we're paying a little bit of money for that, the return that we're getting on it, that's what they're focused in on. That's you know the governance. Whatever it is, you can really take advantage of that and then you're focused on where you need to be focused. And I think like that's really part of that same shift in the cloud of that mindset of, hey, we don't have to own everything. We really can leverage all of these other services that just come together in this like ubiquitous world and, and of cloud and you know multi-cloud, hybrid cloud. And it's 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 pretty crazy when you think about it, what we're able to do now versus you know when I started all the way, you know, all the way until even 2012, when you know I, we were first sort of starting to do things at AWS at, um, at that last company, it was you know I think it was 2012. Uh, times of blur, but yeah, it's um, it's sort of amazing when you think about it and how we're able to do all that stuff these days. I mean, I mean it really, really is. I mean, it's definitely something. You know, again, rewinding 15 years ago, it's going to be the one single trend that's going to transform the world. Like, yeah, there's a lot of stuff like that. But I mean, it really has, right? I mean, and, you know, going back to your point around, you know, you've got teams of people. And we, again, we see this all the time. You know, you've got, you've got a, a DevOps team largely, or maybe it's a cloud ops team. Maybe it's a hybrid of both that, you know, first off, to go back to Jonathan's earlier point, they're struggling to keep up, number one. So where are they finding the time to actually build scripts and cobble together these things to, to make this really scalable in an organization? It's usually pretty difficult to do that. Um, and, you know, in some regards, uh, we talked about a little bit, or touched on just a little bit about, you know, this cloud skills gap where, you know, this stuff is not, in, in a lot of cases, super easy. In, in some cases, not well documented, um, depending on how new the service is, to, to make the most sense of that. So, you know, why focus your team on learning that, right? Those aspects of management versus, you know, Somebody else can handle that, right? And whether it's CloudZamer or some other product, and there, there's others that are out there, but you know, finding that one that meets your requirements as an organization of where you're trying to get to, and leverage, you know, leverage that provider, leverage that product to help you automate as much as possible. That's, you know, again, that's really the key to, to get that mind share to help you you work on your organization, right? You know, it's it, technology itself is just always rife, I think, with organizations that say, you know what. Just because we can do it doesn't mean we should do it, right? And, and so that's, you've been watching too much Jurassic Park. That's that's what that is. <laughs> but, but that 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 is the pinnacle of uh, you know. I, and I, I'm sure you guys have experienced the same thing that I have. I, I've been a part of so many tech companies that yeah, we we have this capability. Therefore, we should just do it all the time. Well, right. there's a little discipline that I think that as, a, as an organization. Um, you have to have, and especially in light of all the capabilities that you have in the cloud that's at your fingertips, at your, like leverage some of that, right? You know, use it to unlock that full potential. 
Well, and I think the the, the key there is, um, and people I think do take this into account, but it's the ongoing cost of it. Sure, we can build it, but do we want to maintain it? Do we need to? What about building the administrative interfaces that go with whatever that we're building and the the logging and the this and the that? Do we want to continue? Like, do we want to have a whole team that's dedicated to this thing, or do we want to just pay someone else to ha- you know to handle it for us? And we'll again focus on where we need to focus. Um, which actually brings me, I'm, I. I uh, do have a hard stop because I have to get on a call with one of our vendors to talk about <laughs> something very similar um, um, to negotiate the next uh, couple of years on a contract. Um, any final thoughts or anything before we wrap up? I, I'm curious, uh, sir, if you guys. No, it, Mike and Jonathan, just really appreciate the opportunity. And, you know, uh, I will say that, um, you know, for the Cyberary podcast listeners that also um, do take training, we, we, did launch back in August a cloud governance fundamental. So if some of these concepts, you know, maybe we've talked about kind of are of interest, uh, definitely check that out. It's available uh, again in the library kind of course library. Um, and again, if you, if, if the, these kind of challenges you're thinking in your organization, man, this is something that really, you know, I, I'm struggling with. Don't hesitate to reach out to us. Uh, go to cloudthamer.io, um, you know, contact us. We'd be happy to have a conversation and learn a little bit more about your organization and see if we can help. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for having us on, guys. Really appreciate it, uh, Mike and John. Yeah, definitely. Uh, super enjoyed the conversation. Uh, Jonathan, any any final thoughts or anything? Nope. This was great. I enjoyed it. Yes. Yeah. talk about all my pain points that I experience every day. We'll get you on this. We'll get you on in a future date to talk about the uh, hubris of software engineers and how now with all the managed services, they think they can do everything and we don't need TBAs anymore. But uh, we'll save that for a different day. Um, thanks again for joining us. Definitely recommend people check out the, uh, the cloudtaber.io uh, courses and their website and their product. It's, it's uh, definitely great. Um, and thanks again for joining us. Hey, this is Thor. Thanks for listening to the Cyberry podcast and make sure to check back next Wednesday for our newest episode.